Turn, if you would, tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that you'd bless now the effort to preach your word. I pray that you'd use it to speak to our hearts and to remind us of what we know but uh, just need the reminder of tonight. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, you may remember that we began looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I've said this repeatedly now that in chapter 7 we have the Apostle Paul responding to questions that were obviously submitted by Corinthian believers. And so he was explaining some things that they had questions about, and it related in the first three messages about the subject of marriage, uh, divorce, remarriage, and uh, so much that goes in that relationship. And then last week we watched as the Apostle Paul dealt with the subject of one's salvation. And basically what he said was this, Whatever position or whatever condition you were saved in, be content. Don't seek to change it. Don't try to change things. And then he said in verse number 23, you are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. And basically what Paul was saying is this, is do not let men dictate to you what is required in order to be godly. There is a thing called godliness, and that should be determined by the word of God. But don't let man be what you subject yourself to. And so last week I tried to remind us that there is still very much that tendency and there is still very much that pressure put on people that in order to be godly, you have to be like them. And so many times we struggle with that because we want to please people. We want people to approve of us. And so we many times will do what they have said in order to make us and to make them feel like we are godly. And uh, that's not the way the Christian life is supposed to be lived. Know what the Word of God says, live according to the Word of God, and that's what we need to worry about. All right? Okay. That's what we talked about last week. Now, tonight I want to begin by talking about something that you probably know because I've probably mentioned this at some point in, pa in the past. But I, by nature, am not a thrill seeker and I am not a risk taker. Okay, I was thinking about this today, that if you and I were to sit down and I was going to create my bucket list and then let you read it, there are several things that would not be on my bucket list. I would not ever have to skydive to go happy or, or, or to leave this world happy. You understand what I'm saying? That's, that's just not in my blood. That's not how I, that's not how I operate. That's just not me. Uh, I don't need to zip line. I don't need to bungee jump. I don't need to swim with sharks. There are just a lot of things in life that I don't need to do because it sounds risky, it sounds dangerous, and I just don't need the, need the elevated blood pressure. All right, so you understand that, don't you? Some of you do, some of you don't, some of you don't care. I'm just saying, by nature, I'm not a risk taker or a thrill seeker. God gave me the right woman by way of personality, because Susie is not a risk taker, and she is not a thrill seeker. She has never said, babe, for this birthday, I want to go skydiving. Babe, for this birthday or for this anniversary, I'd like to go bungee jumping. Because if she did, I would say, find you somebody to go with, and you all have a good time. 
That's just how it would work. And so God gave me the right person in that regard. And then he blessed us with two children that are pretty conservative in their approach to life. You know, Nathan and Hannah, they're not really risk takers. They're not thrill seekers. They're not ones who have to do wild and crazy things in order to to be happy and to be satisfied in life. But Leah is kind of our surprise. And you know this by way of her personality and by way of her demeanor and her approach to life. And so Leah has this attraction for things that I will never, ever be attracted to. She has already done things in her short life that I hope I never do in my life, things that involve bungee cords and, and things like that. And, and she has said, Dad, could I? Dad, could I? Could we? Do we? Maybe, maybe on vacation, could we do this? And you know what I have told her so many times throughout her 13 short years of life? No. No. And I've said things to her like this. When you're out of the house and you're calling the shots, you can do those types of things. But dad's not paying for it. Dad would get too scared watching you do this. I don't care if you're scared or not. I just, I'm not going to do this. Now, I'm saying all that to get to this point, okay? And this is not to embarrass Leah because I'm going to say more about this collectively in just a moment. But over the years, here is what has happened as I have watched Leah's personality develop and, and, and as she has come into her own, so to speak. I have watched as she has struggled to yield her desires to my desires. See, Susie and Nathan and Hannah, no problem. That's easy. Not an issue. Nathan has never said to me, hey, Dad, for my 18th birthday, could we go skydiving? He doesn't want to do that. Hannah didn't say, hey, Dad, whenever I turn 16, do you think maybe we could go bungee jumping? She never said that. And so they're easy because there are similarities between us. But because Leah is a little bit different in her personality or her approach to life, there have been times that I and myself and Susie have said no, and, and she has had to yield her desire to our desire. And she struggles with that. And I think this evening that you know this as well as I do, that that is not something you just naturally grow out of. Where we just want to yield our desire to someone else's desires. Every one of us, whether we want to acknowledge this tonight or not, every one of us would have to admit that there are times and there are moments in our lives where we don't want to submit to someone else's desires. Now, if they were like us, that would not be a problem. But because they are different than us, I don't want to yield who I am for what you are, and they don't want to yield who they are to be what we are. And so you have this conflict and you have this tension, and it can be difficult sometimes. Now, as we come to chapter 8 with that principle in mind, I want us to understand that though we have switched from chapter 7 to chapter 8, 
the Apostle Paul still seems to be answering questions, okay, that the Corinthians have submitted to him. And so if you look in verse number 1, here is what it says. It says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Now in the first part of verse number 1, here is what we discover. We discover that someone has obviously asked the Apostle Paul a question as it relates to eating meat that has been offered unto idols in sacrifices in the pagan temples. Okay, so the question would be something like this, if we were to paraphrase it. The question would be, Paul, is it okay for us to eat meat that has been offered unto idols? And so what you gather from that question then is this, is that there was some kind of a conflict between the church members because there were obviously some who said it is perfectly fine and there were others who said this is not fine and seemingly up to this point in their Christian life, Paul had not addressed the subject specifically. So they are asking Paul, what is your position? What is the right answer? What is the wrong answer? And the question that has been asked has been asked by the ones who believe it to be okay, who believe it to be all right, and obviously there were those in the church who said, no, it's not okay, no, it's not right. So in verse number 1, Paul speaks and he says, or he writes and he says, we know that we have, we all have knowledge. So we all have knowledge, we all have understanding, so what kind of knowledge and understanding did they have? Well, notice in verse number 4, as he addresses this group of people, he said, As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. Now here's Paul, and here's what it's going to seem to indicate. He is going to fall on the side of those who say it's okay to eat the meat. So he says in verse number 4, here's what we know, here's what we understand, that an idol is nothing in the world, there is no other God but one. In verse 5 he said this, For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many. But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Him. So what does Paul say in relation to the question? He said this, listen, we understand this, we know this, that though there are many things called gods, and though there are many idols that people worship and serve and bow down to and sacrifice things to, he said, we understand that there is only one true God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then in verse number 8 he said this, But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. What does that mean? It means this. Truly, God doesn't care. This is not an issue with God. 
So here in the church, you've got some believers who said it's perfectly fine to eat this. Come on, there's nothing wrong with this. You don't have to be so worried about it. You don't have to be so paranoid about it. It is perfectly fine. Another group says, no, 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 it's not okay. It's not good because it's been sacrificed to, to these different idols in the different temples and the sacrifices. And Paul said, listen, 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 we understand this. We understand that though this world has many gods and many idols, there's only one true God, and frankly, God doesn't care if you eat the meat or not. We understand this. But go back to verse number 1, because this is how all of this is going to be wrapped, and this is how it's going to be packaged in a sense. He said in verse number 1, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge, but here's the thing, knowledge puffeth up. What does that mean? It means this, that sometimes a believer like the Corinthians, with all of their knowledge and with all of their understanding, with all of their rationale, with all of their good apologetics, with all of their good positioning of themselves as it relates to different issues of discussion in the church, he said, here's what can happen. That knowledge that you have can puff you up and that knowledge can make you arrogant in the positions that you hold. Now let me ask you something. Is that true? Well, the answer is absolutely it is true. A person can have a position that technically is right and that technically is correct, but what happens then is this, with their position, with their logic and their rationale, and everything that they've thought through, they begin to get very arrogant in their attitude with those who see it different than them. So Paul said, here's the problem with knowledge, with this understanding that you have. It puffs up. And it does just the opposite of what charity does. Because here's what charity will do. He said charity edifies or builds up the other person. So in this conflict being had in the church of Corinth, those who said it's okay and for those who said it's not okay, the Apostle Paul initially would agree with those who said it's okay, but he said here's the problem that with all of your knowledge... You have gotten puffed up, and that is the opposite of what the Christian life should look like, for you should have charity for others that would build other people up. Now notice in verse number 2 what he said. He said, And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. What does that mean? It means this. If you think you're so smart, you prove how little you really understand. If you think you have all the answers, then what it does is it reveals that you really know nothing as you ought to know it. 
Can you see this happening in the church? Can you see this happening in the lives of the Corinthian believers? Here are people who have taken the position that it's okay to eat the meat, that there's nothing wrong with doing what they are doing, and so they have puffed themselves up, and they think they are superior over these brethren who cannot eat the meat, and as a result of doing that, they have proven just how little they understand the Scripture. Friends, it happens all the time. Right position, wrong attitude, revealing they've missed the point as a general rule. So there's nothing wrong in and of itself with the position, but because of how you've approached it and how you've, you know, exalted yourself and not built up the brother you've really actually revealed your own immaturity in the whole matter. So he said in verse number 3, But if any man love God, the same is known of him. What does that mean, Paul? It means this. Now, if someone loves the Lord God, that same truth will be known of that individual. Okay, if if you really love the Lord, here is what you will do. It will be made known and it will be obvious of you that you do love the Lord. Well, how would you know if you love the Lord? By whether or not you love the brethren. And how do you know whether or not you love the brethren? By whether or not you are building them up as opposed to tearing them down with your logic and your rationale and all of your good arguments about your position. So you understand the flow here to this point. Okay. Can we eat meat? Paul said, sure. Doesn't matter to the Lord. But here's the problem. With your logic comes arrogance. And with your arrogance it reveals that you don't know as much as you think you do. So notice in verse number 7, here is where the problem begins to unfold. See, with all of our knowledge, the Apostle Paul said, with all of our understanding, he said in verse number 7, how be it, there is not in every man that knowledge. See, this conclusion that you've come to, not everyone in the church has come to that same conclusion. This position that you have been able to work to in your spiritual life, this conclusion that you've been able to to come to with a sense of peace and satisfaction in your own heart and mind, he said you've got to understand something, that not every man in the church would have the same knowledge. He said, for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour, eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Paul, what are you saying? He is saying this, that there are some people who were saved out of that lifestyle, who were saved out of pagan worship, who were saved out of idolatry, who once gave the offerings unto the idol there in the temple. And as they have been saved out of that, they still in their hearts and minds associate eating the meat 
with their sacrifices, and they cannot do that with the clear conscience. And when they do partake of the meat offered to the idols, it defiles them, or in their mind, it contaminates them. Now notice Paul did not say, tell them they're crazy and to get over it. This is where they're at. This is not an argument of who the stronger brother is and who the weaker brother is. It's just a, a statement of this is where people in the church are at. You've got some who say it's fine. There are others who say it's not okay. And any time they partake, it defiles them because their conscience is weak and they are not there in their spiritual lives yet ready to accept it. So notice what he said in verse number 9, not to the ones who were weak and couldn't eat. He said in verse number 9, to those who were maybe stronger in their minds who could eat. He said, but take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. What does it mean for something to be a stumbling block? Well, that would be something that trips someone up. Okay, so what Paul said in verse number 9 is this. You need to take heed. Those of you who have the knowledge and those of you who have the understanding, those of you who can eat the meat and it doesn't bother you whatsoever, you better be careful. Because your liberty or your freedom to do this, that could easily become a stumbling block to the one who is weaker the one who says no to the meat. In verse number 10, he said, For if any man see thee, which hast knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? What does that mean? It means this. You who has the liberty to eat the meat could find yourself in a temple for whatever reason because of social functions in their day. You could find yourself in the temple eating meat and you not be bothered by it. But someone else comes along who is weaker. They believe it's wrong but they see you doing it, and now they are emboldened to eat those things which in their heart and in their conscience they cannot partake of with the right spirit before the Lord. So what he says is what you are now doing is you are now encouraging a brother to do what in their heart of hearts they believe is wrong. Now, I don't know about you, but at about that point, I think I'd be saying, well, that's their problem, not mine. Uh, am I the only one who's got an attitude sometimes? I can't help it if they can't handle seeing me eat meat in the temple. That's not my problem. <laughs> they need to grow up and they need to get over it. They need to come to the same understanding that I've come to, that this is not an issue. But for the Apostle Paul, he makes this allowance that it is an issue for them. 
And so he said in verse number 11, And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? Should the weaker brother run themselves or mess themselves up, the one for whom Christ died? So notice in verse number 12, he said, But when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, what did he say next? Ye sin against Christ. Huh, what? Paul said, you, you got to get this. You who are stronger, who has the liberty to eat this, if you do something that will be a stumbling block to your brother and you cause them to do something that defiles their conscience, even though technically it is not wrong, but for them they believe it to be wrong, then here is what has happened in causing that person to violate their conscience. You have now sinned against Christ. So Paul said, here's my position on the subject of meat, though he already has said, I agree with you that meat is no big deal one way or the other. In verse 13 he said, Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend or to fall, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. You know what Paul said? He simply said this, If meat and me eating it is going to cause my brother to have problems in the Christian life, then I will not do it for this reason, because it's not that big of deal. Now what does Paul just explain to the believers in Corinth? He has explained this, that though I may be on your side by way of argument, though I may be on your side by way of position, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to yield and surrender my desires or my will to the desires or to the positions and the will of the weaker. It's just not worth it. Now if you think about this text and what's already been touched on and how Paul said Knowledge puffeth up, charity edifieth. You kind of get the sense that Paul knew that these believers were already struggling to have a right attitude toward their brethren who wouldn't eat. He, he, he tends to expound on this quite a bit by saying, you know, if you think you know anything, you really don't know anything like you ought to know it. Because if you really love God, then the same is going to be known of Him. So guys, come on. Here's your problem. You are unwilling to yield who you are to satisfy who they are as a weaker brother. Paul didn't say you're wrong for eating the meat, but what he did say is this, is if you'll not yield to their position, at least in their presence, if you'll not yield to their position and you cause them to stumble, 
understand not only have they defiled themselves in their mind before God, you have now sinned against Christ because you encouraged the behavior that they felt in opposition to. Now tonight, I know that you know that we can approach this many, 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 many different ways. I just want to touch on a couple of thoughts. I just want to touch on a couple of things, and then we'll be done. This evening, you know and I know that we're not all exactly on the same page on every issue, right? There is diversity amongst us. And so there are those who would hold to this position, and there are those who would hold to this position, and there are those who might hold to this position. And all of our positions, though many of them are similar and many of them are are very much in agreement, there would also be many positions among us that are different. And as you and I have differing positions amongst ourselves... Here's what tends to be the case for us. That we have come to these certain conclusions for certain reasons. Whatever those reasons may be, and that is what we're comfortable with. Though we cannot say to anyone, book, chapter, and verse, this is why we do what we do. Would you agree that tonight you have some positions that really you don't have a biblical mandate from God for the positions you have? I would admit that of myself, that there are positions that I take, and I cannot take you to Scripture and say, this is why, according to this exact verse, why I hold to this position, but there are just certain things that for me, that is who I am, that is where I am at, that is what I am comfortable with, and I know that not everyone around me holds to the same position. Now, as much as I understand that, and as much as you understand that, do you realize and do, would you admit tonight that what tends to be what tends to be our approach to life so many times is to try to convince people that our position is valid and that our position is appropriate and many times we try to sell people on the positions that we hold to because we differ from the positions they hold to? (laughs) If you don't want to admit that tonight, that's fine, but it happens on a regular basis. Come on, man, there's nothing wrong with this. Come on, why are you making such a big deal out of this? I mean, the Bible doesn't say anything about it. Why are you making such a big deal? And we've got all of this logic and we've got all of this rationale to support the positions that we've got. And if you're not careful, I don't know if this has happened to you, but I know it's happened to me. I have had moments in my life where I've walked away a little puffed up because I knew that my position was okay because Scripture didn't speak directly to the position that I held that was in opposition to someone else's position. 
And let's not sit here and act like we've never had some pride, like, oh, yeah, we won that one. (laughs) They had nothing to say at the end of the argument. See, that's not exactly charity building up. That's us walking around with this puffed-up attitude because of our superior knowledge and because of our superior understanding of what is and is not allowed, and you're just being too narrow about whatever it may be and just loosen up some. So here's the problem. First of all, that's the wrong attitude. The second thing is this. If we talk someone into doing something, what they don't have the peace or the liberty to do, not only then have we encouraged them to go against their conscience, we have now become one who has sinned against Christ because we're trying to get them to do things or we have gotten them to do things that they don't feel comfortable doing. Yeah, but. No, no, no. There, there, there was no yeah, but in these 13 verses. And so what every one of us have got to be uh, somewhat thoughtful of and mindful of is this is that if this person does not hold to the same position that I hold, then the last thing I would want to be to them is a stumbling block. I don't want to be a stumbling block should be our attitude. I don't want to make them sin, and I don't want to be one who sins against Christ just because I got them to do something that makes me feel better about whatever it is I'm doing. Now, does that make us a servant of men? No. But what it does is this. It reveals a level of spiritual maturity that says this. This is not a big enough deal for me to be an offense to you. And so if this is an offense to you, I will not do it to the best of my ability while the world standeth Because I don't want to trip you up in your spiritual life. It's about us yielding who we are to who they are. Again, not to be a servant to them, but to understand as the weaker brother... I need to be the stronger brother that says, if it's going to offend you, I won't do it. Now, if you think it's easy to yield who you are to someone else, start thinking about other people. And here's what you'll discover very quickly. That's hard. 
And it's no harder for a 13-year-old submitting and yielding her will to my will. It's no harder for her than it is for us because many times we're about on the same level of maturity as a 13-year-old as it relates to yielding to other people. If you don't think it's a problem, if you don't think it's a difficulty, just start thinking about other people and begin realizing how many times you have to ask certain questions. Will this be an offense? Could this be a stumbling block? Is this something that's going to hurt them? Is this something that could could cause them to do something that they don't feel a liberty to do? And if you began asking all those questions, you began realizing, man... I've got to start changing now who I am, and that's not what I want to do. I want them to change who they are. It's not what Paul said. Paul said, if meat is going to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth. So there are times we just have to say, okay, it's not worth it, whatever it may be. Okay, listen, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to engage in that. We're not going to, we're just, we're just not even going to bring that up because it's, it's not worth it. And so many times in the Christian life, you know what we are? We are selfish and we are arrogant and we're not concerned with our brother or our sister and the positions they hold. It's all about who we are and what we want. That is wrong, and it's a sin against Christ. I want to ask you this evening, how often do we find ourselves thinking about the other person's position? I don't know if you've ever said something like this. I'm not changing who I am for who they are. They can either accept me for who I am or they can deal with it. They don't like me. Doesn't hurt my feelings any. See what kind of an attitude that reveals? It's the wrong spirit. It's the wrong attitude. And it lets us know that we really don't know everything like we think we know, like we ought to know it just yet. We may have the right position, but if we have the wrong attitude, we're as wrong as the one who's not right in their position. How often do we think about the position of other people before we live our lives in front of them. It's hard to yield who we are to others, but it's what we're supposed to do. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us tonight to just give consideration to what the Apostle Paul had to say. There is so much here that we could discuss. There are so many specifics we could get into. 
But Holy Spirit, I trust that you can speak to the hearts tonight far better than I could. And so, Lord, if there's an area of life where we're not being mindful of some brother or some sister, if there's some area in our life where we're just making them deal with it, maybe it's a source of conflict between us and someone else, I pray that tonight you'd help us to remember that whatever it is, it's just not worth it. We can be right and they can be right and together we can be different, but we don't have to be the same to be right with you. I pray that you'd help us to understand that, to remember it tonight, and I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.